Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to Berlin, Germany. Deutschland. Deutschland. 1931. Ooh, Deutschland. So it's a time of transition. Uh, and not a good one. Black and white movie, one hour, 48 minutes and 15 seconds. What film are we doing this week? It was your choice. We are doing M. M. The letter M. The letter M. Which in German is pronounced M. M. <laughs> we, could, we could do a good job with the letter M. Mm-hmm. It's a Nero film. Um, Fritz Lang directed, and Aaron's going to tell you all the particulars. Here are the particulars. Directed by one Fritz Lang, very famous filmmaker. Uh, it was written by Fritz Lang and Thea von Harbu. She also wrote Metropolis. And they were married at the time. They were married at the time. And so... I was going to be, when I first was like, I was like, oh, the wife? Uh, well, I didn't, I was like, oh, I'm not going to say that she was his wife because I'm going to try to be like progressive and stuff. But then I read about the reason that they got a divorce and I'm yeah. like, no, guess what? She gets to be referred to as his wife. Yes. You don't, we'll get to that later. But there's a reason yes. why, yeah, he co-wrote it with his wife. Um, she also wrote Metropolis which was another Fritz Lang. That was in 1929, I believe. And it's a science fiction. And it was also based on his wife's story. <laughs> I kind of like that. This is very passive aggressive of me. <laughs> like, yeah, his wife. W-I-F-E, uh -huh. uppercase all. I, I know, and I know full well what I'm doing when I say that. That's right. We'll, Feminists, just wait. Yeah, we'll wait. There's a reason. Put, put, hold on to your panties for a second. Um, or underwear or undergarments. Or, or, or your skin if you're or, choosing to go yeah, commando. We, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. So starring Peter Lorre as Hans Beckert. And Peter Lorre we know because he was also in The Man Who Knew Too Much. And and he was in Casablanca. He was indeed. You know him as the creepy guy with the bugged out eyes. Oh my god, so creepy. Yeah. Um. Also, Otter Otto Wernicke. Uh, he You're not going to know any of these people. Yeah, after, he played Peter <laughs> Inspector Carl Lohman and a Gustav Grungens. He was uh, the safe cracker. Ah, um, good old goose stuff. Actually, the first time I see... Well, we'll get to that when, when we get to him. I'll save my comment. The music... And I was like... Because Wikipedia had the music. And I was like, mm -hmm. what music? Because there is a scene in this film where there's... I, I had to fast forward to see if my... Me too. I was like, did, did something just happen here? Because there's no sound whatsoever. But the music is credited as to Edward, Edward, Edvard... Grieg, and it's in the hall of the mountain king, which we all know because it goes. Yeah, that. 
So that's, he wrote that. Norwegian, you know, very famous. So, yeah, those are the particulars. Well, it starts with a black screen. And then there's a, a tenement. It's a sweeping shot of a tenement. They don't say and- where this takes place, but it takes place in Berlin. Yes. And um, and you don't know. I mean, it could be, at this point, any tenement, because I didn't know that it was a German film. Yeah. Fritz, well, Fritz Lang was not my first clue. And and your first clue was it last week when when we were talking about the the killers and how it was the film noir was influenced by German expressionism and then I was like I've picked this film because Fritz Lang and his German expressionism. Well, that would that would mean that I remembered what happened last week. Yeah, touche, touche. Thank you so much. There are children in a circle with one in the middle, and they're singing a song. Now, something, I, I tried to rewind because I missed something, and then it, it I never found the lyrics of the song. Did it show the lyrics of the song? Yeah, it, because it what they were singing. And it was super creepy. The shot is from high above, looking down on these German children, which... Right there is, I'm sorry, that's really creepy. There's just something about 1931 German children singing that is super creepy. In German, very creepy. Then you see the title and the girl, it's basically playing like the, I don't even know if we're like eeny, meeny, miny, mo, Like that kind or of duck, game. duck, goose. Or, or yeah, duck, duck, goose. Kind of like point. She's in the middle. She's in a circle. Goes around points to every kid while she's saying something. And basically what she's saying is, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like one, two, three. The man in black is going to come out and he's going to butcher all of us with his cleaver into mint meat. Yeah. German people. <laughs> yeah. These kids were not messing around. Oh, <laughs> And the one of the women is even like, "Hey, will you stop it with that that song? It's so disturbing. What's wrong with you kids?" And these, that same cursed song over and over again. Yeah, and this little yeah. blonde-haired girl is just she just can't stop singing about the man, and she and he points and he's like, "You're out," which means out. You're mincemeat now because the man in black chopped you up with his cleaver. Okay, well, <laughs> welcome to our happy film. I was like, oh, so this is a light touch of cinematic fare. <laughs> and it only gets better. So I knew that they were singing a song about the murder, but I didn't realize it was so um, graphic. Well, you know, to be fair, Ring Around the Posy is pretty morbid. Yeah, ashes, ashes. Yeah, it's about the plague. We all fall yeah. down. Meaning yeah. we're dead from the plague. That's true. So, and look at all the fairy tales from back then. Oh, mostly German. May I no wonder we're, we're a warped people. Okay, there's a woman carrying a laundry basket up um, several flights of steps. Oh my, that's that's uh, heavy. And as I do with every subtitled film, yes, this is subtitled. I start to write down all of the dialogue, and then I realize <laughs> I don't do that in a regular film. I don't have to do that. I can get the gist. 
You so you just hit play, pause, write that. You're race, you're writing the script. You're transcribing. I was pretty much film. writing the script, and I went. This is going to take me seventy two hours. <laughs> okay, so uh, she hands off the basket to somebody inside the apartment this building. This was one of my favorite parts because this woman carries this laundry basket, and she's just struggling. So I'm like, man, this is a like really heavy laundry basket. And the woman that she hands it to takes it like it's made of nothing. <laughs> like, man, that's that German strength right there. That is. Now, remember, she had to climb up about 72 flights of steps, too. Yeah, true. So she she tells the woman inside, I told them to stop singing that awful song. But they sing it day and night as if they haven't heard enough about the murder already. So obviously the M is for murder. Yes. Oh, leave him alone. Let him sing. At least they're singing. Yeah. So the one scrubbing clothes. So obviously these two women mama, take in laundry. She didn't, she didn't say, like, the way that she delivered that line was, it was also very German. Because she was said, like, you know, let them sing. Like, at least we can hear them. Like, meaning at least they're still alive and not murdered by the man that they're singing about. That's true. I was like, The cleaver oh. hasn't minced him to mince meat yet. Okay, so she's scrubbing clothes, and, and right away my hands started to hurt. Oh, my, I was thinking about their hands, how mm-hmm. they just must not have been as soft as mine. Mm-hmm. You just said that, didn't you? Yeah, because I didn't have to, like, go, like, with the washboard. and No. I mean, my hands I mean, get tore up from just washing dishes, and I used the, like, all free and clear no harsh chemicals with aloe added and i still have to crack open the o'keefe's so you know you know that they, they were using lye i mean come on the germans were gonna go straight bleach and lie yeah i was like how does she even have fingers still and a cuckoo clock strikes 12 and um and then there's the bell chimes outside now um there's the woman is working at the stove and we cut to a girl who's trying to cross the street. And um, then it cuts back to the woman setting uh, two place place settings at the table. Then it cuts back to the little girl with the ball. So we all know what's going to happen. But before that, we had seen the public school building. And so we saw the kids getting out of school and we saw a lot right. of parents there to pick up their and- kids. And in Germany, they still at noon go home because that's their big meal. The middle meal oh. of the day is the big meal. And so they go home and then they come back for the afternoon. So why were those so, kids still out in the front singing? Are those like the bad kids that don't go to school? No, they were they were preschoolers. They weren't in school yet. Oh. So... Um, then the little girl stops in front of, I don't know what those things are called in Europe, the round columns where they put posters. We had them in The Man Who Knew Too Much also. Oh, yeah. It's like their, I mean, it's it's basically their Facebook at the yeah. time. They're just social media gathering place where they put up posters and different things. And so there is a there's a poster for a one thousand ten thousand mark reward for the murderer of um, 
and children were the victims. Yeah, it's basically saying, hey, we we have a lot of money. We're willing to give it because we're tired of, um, you know, these somebody someone's murdering our children. And we're going to need them in, in 10 years to be Gestapo. So uh, it says it's similar to the murders of last fall. At that point, we see a shadow of a man in a fedora covering the poster Okay. The little girl is standing there. So uh, I bet he's the murderer. Just going to take a, a while. What a pretty ball you have. Oh, What's yeah. What's your name? He's like super creepy. And I'm a little, okay. No one told this girl stranger danger? Well, the kids singing out in front of her tenement house should be her warning. Yeah, I We've already had children being murdered in this city and no one has it has not been drilled into your head. Hey, guess. Hey, little girl, don't talk to any men. <laughs> None. I mean, because it's at the times, you know, it is. So the little girl says, Elsie Beckman. Yeah, he's like, be high stew. And she's just like, Elsie Beckman. Here's my mom's name. Here's my dad's name. Here's where we live. Like being I was loud. <laughs> so we cut back to the woman in the tenement. It's 1020 at this point. She hears footsteps and she, you know, is so excited because she's going to see her little Elsie in the hall. And there and she so she opens the door and there are two children going on up. And she says, Elsie didn't come with you? And they said, no. So then we see, we cut back to Elsie and the man buying a balloon from a blind man. And he's whistling his tune. He's whistling his. And he's really which good whistling. alone would tell you, get away. And I thought, I wonder if the blind man's really blind or if he's going to come back and be able to. To help solve this. Yeah. And the balloon he buys here is the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. Did the blind man make the balloon? Because in many respects, it totally makes sense when you see the balloon. But in other respects, (laughs) it's a little too well put together for a blind man to have made it. So I was completely flummoxed. It was like uh, it was it was like a kid. It was it was a head balloon attached to a body balloon. Yeah, it looked it, like a hot dog with legs and arms. Yeah, it was it was weird. And then uh, we cut back to Elsie to um, the apartment, and the doorbell rings, and it's two men selling a magazine. And she says, "Have you have you seen Elsie?" And they go, "No, isn't she home yet?" So the the mom is really worried, and she looks down all those down the stairwell, calling for Elsie. And then the cuckoo clock goes off, and it's one fifteen. Mm-hmm. Elsie is an hour and fifteen minutes late. I mean, by that time, isn't Elsie supposed to be back at school? I would think. She hears singing outside. She calls out the window for Elsie, Elsie, mm-hmm. and it shows an empty her empty place setting at the table. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts to a ball rolling in the grass. And it's not just any ball, people. 
It's the pretty ball. It's the pretty ball that Elsie was playing with. And the balloon is in the telephone wire. Which was really creepy. It was, that shot was so creepy because the way the balloon's moving on the telephone wire. I just said, oh my gosh, this, this 1931 film has creeped me out with just this. Yeah, it, yeah. But it's pretty cool to watch it, especially if you could watch it without taking notes. Okay, then we have a black screen, and then we have uh, kids selling newspapers extra, extra. So this is an extra edition. Oh, see, I'm just so conditioned to extra, extra read all about it that I just thought it was the next day. There was a a fury. I mean, these little boys were running all over. Um, It makes you, uh, and then you hear people saying, it makes you afraid to send... um, your kids to school because they might get murdered and you hear the whistling yeah and you see the the dude writing a note yes german of course Mm -hmm. with a and then the note said oh with a really really like stubby pencil and it looked like the paper was really rough Mm -hmm. and he was having a hard you know, like it was, it wasn't a smooth surface he was writing on. He was writing. He's a hard writer, which, I mean, if you kill children, I would just assume you would be a hard writer. And, and the, the German language is such a hard language and seeing it written, it's, it's a harsh looking, it's harsh. It is very harsh. Yeah. This is how we like it. Ah, it's funny okay. how, how much. Oh, like little words I could pick out. I'm like, he just said, but I'm not done. That's what that says. Oh, my God. You did? Yeah. I was like, he just said he he said he said, but because I, I know others, but and he's like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> That's well, what this basic- is what the rest of it said. Let me oh, yeah. translate okay, for you. Because the police did not publish my first letter. I'm writing directly to the police. Proceed with your investigation. No, to the press. The police did the. Oh, the because of the yeah. press did not. Oh, I'm sorry. She I yeah, that would press, be Polizei, got- and this was press. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sorry. I was skipping ahead because the press did not publish my first letter. I'm writing directly to the police. No, Proceed I think you with- have it. No, I think you have it backwards. I think that he, he because the police didn't um pu- like send his. The, his note to it that he wrote directly to the press and the press printed it in the newspaper. Oh, of course they would have. Because they're the press. I'm sorry. I think I could be mistaken. I, I, I took my translation directly from what was on the screen. All right. But okay. So we'll proceed with, with the- your, I'm going to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> proceed with your investigation. All will soon be confirmed. But I am not done. Yeah. So that was plastered on the poster columns. And um, people were gathering around to read it. But, um, you know, only the person in front could really see because it was a little tiny print. And so they're yelling, read it out loud, read it out loud. And it said, the terror in our town has found a new victim. Elsie. Certain evidence leads us to believe that this is the same murderer who has already claimed eight of our city's children. Damn. 
every mother and father assume a kind looking person can try to um, lay, uh, try to give your child, lure your child with candy, apples uh, to doom. <laughs> so German. Um, and so uh, then we cut to men in a pub. What's a pub called in Germany? Um, the Gasthaus? Gasthaus. Thank you. Um, and uh, they're all drinking and they're talking about um, anxiety. Oh, so they're reading in the newspaper at the pub and they're saying the anxiety is heightened. And they're saying the murderer could be to the left or right of you. And um, the police are looking for clues, but they don't know where or what the what this dude looked like. He could be among us. He could be sitting right next to you. And so the camera sweeps around the table. And I, I wrote, could they be more German? This, this is, table of yeah. Men. Oh, here's a spoiler alert. There are no people of color in this film. Really? 1931 Germany. Yeah. Hmm. Just going to say. Not surprising, but I I just went ahead and just wrote a big zero next to my POC column before the movie even started. I was like, prove me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so then they start accusing each other. I saw you following that little girl the other day to the fourth floor. You're crazy swine. Uh, And then he's yelling about slander and I'll sue you in court and and. A um, lot of pig talk, a lot, lot of swines being thrown around. Big insult yeah, in this film, swine. So which I, I didn't really get because, like, Germans eat a lot of swine. So I was like, huh? I mean, is that the worst? I don't know. Okay, so um, there's a search warrant for the, this one guy. They actually said, hey, I saw you following a little girl. So they have a search warrant to, to look at his apartment it reminded me of foreshadowing of uh when the nazis come there was a lot of nazi foreshadowing in this film i thought but maybe it was was just us watching it knowing like this is 1931 i'm gonna say about 80 percent of the people that we see in this film are nazis in yeah two years yeah especially when we see the safe cracker um i said wow that dude is totally in the ss in about five years (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. He already has the leather coat. Yeah, he had the demeanor down. I'm like, he's already in. No wonder it just spread like wildfire. Yeah. Okay, so um, the, the woman is crying, and there's a fedora on the table. And I'm going, oh, maybe it is her husband. And Mr. Jaeger, Mr. calm down, because he's there, and he's saying, this is all wrong. Mr. Jaeger, the hunter. Mm. Um. The, and then the investigator picks up the fedora, so it wasn't the dude's fedora. And he says, hey, look, we just have to follow up on every lead. Yeah, he's like, look, uh, we have, uh, what, nine, eight, nine kids killed. So at yeah. this point, anyone who looks at a child that is a man, we're going to investigate him. That's right. Next scene is a little girl on a scooter. And she runs right up to a man. And I'm thinking, who let this little girl out in the scooter? Why is she Why is she allowed to just be by herself? What part of keep a kind watch on your kids don't you understand? And this guy has a bowler hat on. So I knew that he wasn't the killer. 
And he tells the little girl, hurry home. Well, there are women in the street watching, and they just see him talking to the little girl. So right away, they're assuming that he's the killer. And this big, huge dude walks up to him. Well, the guy doesn't do himself any favors because no, he, he kind of is like, hey, like he's being creepy. Hey, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I'm not com- totally convinced that this guy wasn't a creep. Like he could still be a creep and not be the killer. He could, yeah, and he, yeah, that's true. Okay. He, so he was very creepy in how he was talking to the little girl. Right, he could be a pervert. I was, I was thinking like, okay, you're, you're a pervert, but you're not the killer, because the killer's music isn't being played. Right, we don't hear the. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah. Uh, and so the big guy goes, "What do you want with the little girl?" And a crowd <laughs> gathers around. And everybody starts yelling, he's the murderer. And it's it's mob mentality. Oh, There's a lot of mob mentality. Basically, yes. this movie is just, I'm like, oh, that's social media. <laughs> yeah. Just in, in movie form. We When people get all mad and angry about social media and how, look what we've become and stuff. This is, this is why we do these. Go back to old movies. We haven't changed much, people. It's just the technology that's changed. We're still the same dumbass humans. It's true. With the same dumbass stuff. It's just that we get to see everybody else do it more across the the Mm -hmm. world because of social media. Just instantly, instead of just hearing about it. So they call him the kinder murderer. Yeah, and they get the police. And the police, what, are, what were they? Were the police on a double-decker bus or something? Catching yeah. A, they were on the double-decker bus catching a pickpocket. And then the mob is saying, like, he's the, like, this guy here's the murderer. And then the police have this guy who's a pickpocket. And then everyone thinks, they just automatically assume since he got arrested that he's the child murderer. And the guy's like, whoa, guys, I'm a pickpocket here. I'm no child murderer. And then the pickpocket kind of gets indignant with the police saying, hey, why are you busting me for picking pockets? You should be out there looking for the man who's murdered eight little girls. Yeah. Then we have a newspaper um, with what the murderer had written. Again, Ah. I wrote because the police did not publish my first, but okay. Okay, so Um, you're right. Then we go to uh, Mr. Yeah, you're right. Got it. So we go to uh, a man. I, 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 he's Mr. Secretary. Yeah. I don't and know. he's Some sort calling of the police official. commissioners. All I could mm-hmm. figure out. These people didn't have titles. And, um, and so um, Mr. Secretary is outraged. We got to We got to catch this guy. And the commissioner's saying that they're looking at the, the letter for fingerprints and, and the fingerprints were no good. Many hands had touched it. We're looking at the handwriting, trying to see if we have handwriting of this guy. I mean, they're doing everything they can. Mm-hmm. And we see this. It was pretty, it was cool. It's very modern in this way of M, how it, then it would cut to the fingerprint guy. And it kind of, with the fingerprint shot, how the guy is look because there aren't computers to do this which i would have just thrown up my hands and been like i can't tell this i have to manually look at these fingerprints and compare them nope right. <laughs> i'm like yeah this guy's getting away with murder i can't yeah. do this but they it all was, look the same to me if it remind i wonder it felt very wes anderson-y to me and i was like ah wes anderson i bet you, I bet ah, you saw anderson. this and then then they have people analyzing the handwriting 
And so I didn't write it all down, but um, the the per- because he was such a such a doctor, you know, an analyst who would look at the handwriting and say, yes, well, because of the loopy letters. And anyway, there were unex- unmistakable signs of madness. And while the um, person is is talking about the handwriting, we see Peter Laurie looking at his face in the mirror. Which is all you need, because that guy has got a face for madness. And then he starts pulling on his mouth. Like like I do when I want to see what I'd look like with a facelift, you know? (laughs) But I don't think that was his. Yeah, so he was pulling on his mouth. And he looks crazy. I mean, wow, that was okay. So then the police are getting no rest, uh, and their work that they're doing wears on their nerves. They're constantly on call. They follow the slightest lead. One found a crumpled up piece of white paper in the bushes. It had particles of powdered sugar and particles of fruit drops in it. Mm -hmm. So it was candy. Um, And so they wanted to trace the origin of that paper. And it was one and a half miles out. And so then they did the radius thing on a map so that the police knew where to canvas. And then the next time they did a radius farther out. Uh, but nobody remembers anything. Yeah. They're just like, I don't, look, this is my shop. I sell a lot of these. And they mind? had a lot of candy shops they went to. There's a lot of candy shops. The, the Germans, they needed their sweets. They like their sweets. It takes away the smell of... Bitter tyranny that's around the corner. Mm, and then, uh, so this is the police telling the secretary, look, we're doing everything we can. We had 15 conflicting eyewitness accounts of the child walking home from school. So they're saying um, the child had on a red hat. No, she had on a green hat. No, she had on. And, and Groon, rock, groon, rock. And, and truth be told, I don't think she had a hat on at all. I don't think so either. They had 1,500 detailed leads, and you see them looking under every fake bush. Yep. And they brought out the police dogs, but the police dogs lost the scent. Uh, the railroads are under surveillance. They go in the homeless shelters. They had homeless shelters? Yeah. They got rid of those in a couple of years. Um, then we see the street at night, and there are three men. And they're looking at their watch, and they're checking the time. And this is when the sound goes out. Yes. And it goes out a couple more times in the movie, but I have trivia about that. Okay, good. And they're nodding to each other, and you see it's the red light district. And um, then there are investigators in the police, and there's a police raid in this underground club. And... Um, the cops come in and people are pouring out and then the cops are there. So they have to go back in and they're going, get, sh- get your papers. Papers, papers. Which is very, oh man, that looks very like getting ready to go in a concentration. Camp. Oh, there. Oh, I was like, man, this, again, this was the, oh, it was just very sad. Cause I'm just, just thinking. At that point they had to have papers. I mean, they had. Yeah. Citizenship papers or something? Well, they, I mean, they had had, it wasn't like, I mean, this, they were still messed up from the First World War. 
So, yeah, people probably still had to have their papers on them. And this one lady who was a probably a lady of the evening, she was like, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to carry around my birth certificate? Yeah. Where do you want me to put it? Yeah. Not there. It's busy. Yeah. That's so, occupied a lot of times, hopefully. <laughs> then they start saying, oh, great. You go after the murderer instead of us. We're just, we're just making a living here. Mm-hmm. So there's one man hiding in the coat rack. He tries to go out the window, but there's a police officer there. Then they, they're they in their queue with their papers. And if there's no papers, you go directly to the precinct. And then it shows all the weapons that were collected, all yeah. the jewels that were collected, all the wallets, the furs, the silver. From Which the people didn't with the that club. also remind you? <sighs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was. Yeah. OK. I was like, oh, man. Ooh. So the madam says uh, to the guy who to the, you know, investigator who's at, at at her bar having a drink. You're driving away my clientele. It's called the crocodile crocodile club <laughs> and the truckloads of people they took out of there. That was a fire hazard. All those people. Oh, yeah. But they need to have a good time. So then we we, uh, go to an apartment. There are four men in the apartment. And they're waiting on 3 o'clock, and it's 2.58. Is that German? 2.58 isn't close enough to 3 o'clock. And there's one man with seven watches. And he's he's checking all the watches. And one is practicing card tricks. And they're waiting for the safe cracker. And I wrote Peter Lorre, but it wasn't Peter mm-hmm. Lorre. So the doorbell rings, and it um, it's the mob. Yeah, this is, these are the these are the uh, crime bosses, right? The criminal and underground. So they have they're having their meeting of the of the what's the head of the crime boss called? I don't know, like the head crime boss, honcho? the boss. Yeah, the they boss. have a meeting of the bosses. Yeah. <laughs> What's the meaning of a crime boss? That would be the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and so an outsider. Oh, so they're talking about this murder is ruining their businesses because it's causing the police to go into all of their places where they usually do business. And so they decide, you know what? We have to find the murderer ourselves. Yeah. The police aren't doing it. All they're doing is cracking down on us, taking money out of our pockets. Like this guy. Okay. Yes. It's horrible that he's killing kids. Can we all agree? And they're like, yes, but the answer to every question is money. Really? He's taking money out of our pockets. He's cutting into our business. He we need to look at him as a competitor. We need to take him out. We need to we need to do what the police don't. We are we are criminals. We can catch a criminal. Are we all in on this? So then the next scene that was interesting because they kept cutting between the crime bosses and the police officers on their strategies. What are we going to do? And so the police had no idea how to solve it. The mob said they, you know, they have informers everywhere. Yeah. The mob came up with a pretty legitimate idea. 
they they're s- going to use their organization of beggars. Yeah, they said. Well, first of all, the mob is sitting around and they're like, "All right, look. In order to find this guy, we know that he likes to go after kids. So we need to be able to have somebody who will go unnoticed, be able to keep an eye out on the children, and we will assign them." A square block or square is a square mile or is like a square block. I think it was like a block or something. Like they, yeah, because yeah, they had, there were lots of them. Uh huh. They had a segment of streets, and so they said, "Who could we do? Who could we have that the killer would not think bat an eye out or bat, you know they would just blend in?" And they said, oh, "The beggars." They're like, "We organize all the beggars. We assign the beggars their own." like grid area to take to take mm-hmm. watch and that's their watch and they because the, the, the killer is just going to be like he's a beggar they always see him there they're not going to think anything of it but there's going to be our eyes and ears and they said you know what go round up all the beggars which then you're like oh I mean a little bit of foreshadowing this is a little uncomfortable rounding people up and and they're speaking German but they round up all the beggars and they have them in line Again, because, like, because Germans know how to do a line. Nice line. They 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 process them, which you're like, mm-hmm. and they assign the beggars their like what they're responsible for. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm thinking, okay, they're crime bosses, so they got that leverage. But aren't beggars in general beggars because? They just don't like being told what to do, and they want the freedom. So I was well, I think they also know that if they don't, then this organization is going to make sure they're not around anymore. Right. So I guess, yeah. So they get the beggar underground up and running in full effect. And it's actually called the Organization of Beggars. Uh, excuse me. Pardon I meant no offense to the beggars. Yes, the organization of beggars. That's right. They're organized. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and there, uh, then there's an overhead view of like an organ grinder and children around. And there's a blind man who's not really blind watching him. Then we cut to the commissioner. And he has a report. And he's reading the report. Well, the findings have come back on the paper of the letter written by the murderer. And that it was written on a table with very un it wasn't a smooth writing surface. It was like wood that had been um left out and it's it's all uneven. Yeah, we've all and tried the, to write a note on a picnic bench. Yeah, yeah. And the the pencil probably had red on the the outside of the pencil was probably red. And so be looking for that and the and the same kind of paper, the rough paper that it was written on. So it's like, okay, Berlin, all you detectives who are overlooked, we need you to be on the lookout for an old table. And, rough writing surface. <laughs> yeah, which is probably just like a rough writing surface, which is probably and an little old tiny table. fragments of red pencil mm-hmm, and a pencil. They and didn't, then we've got him. They did not cut to the detective going, are you fucking kidding me? No, they didn't. But they did like, cut the to hell? the organization of beggars, which was far more effective. Yeah, the organization <laughs> of beggars is like, look, go right ahead, police. 
This is why we had to organize. Look, look at what you like. Your best idea is to look for wooden tables and pencils. Ours, like, good luck. But you know, we we've mobilized a whole underground invisible army. And then the the report also said that they needed to look at all the healthcare places, like not just hospitals, but asylums and. Um, Homeless shelters yeah, and all that. Yeah, somebody does and, say, hey, hey, yeah, let's let's look to see who recently was released. This seems like a good idea, a good place to start. Right. And they have a list of their present addresses, and the list is quite long. Which, why didn't they come up with this brilliant idea after number three? After number two. Yeah, I guess, I okay. guess two, but I give them the benefit of, like, two, it's like one, eh. Two, not really sure. Could be a coincidence. Three, oh, we got a problem, guys. That is a serial killer. <laughs> okay, so then we cut to Elizabeth Winkler's uh, house. And they're looking, uh, the police are looking for a Mr. Burkhart. Now, was this the, um... okay, so I think it was the investigator with the fedora. They all wore fedoras. Assuming uh, that I only knew could tell Peter Laurie and I know because I'm sorry, people of my persuasion, but all the Germans kind of look. I like. didn't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> I didn't want to because I could tell the safe cracker because he had definitely Nazi vibe air to <laughs> he him. Definitely I was like, did. That's I was like, oh, Nazi. Um. Yeah, and then the dark-haired one. Everyone like, else, I was just like, is this, yeah. who is this guy? Is he the same? Is this guy the inspector? Because he looks the same as every other guy in this film. There's it's, the there's a look. There's the old man look. There's skinny old man, fat old man, and then there's middle-aged man, and they all look the same. And they all have their fair hair going straight back. Uh, yeah. So, so, okay. So, so Mrs. Winkler says, do you want to wait for him? And he goes, yeah. So, so she lets him into Burkhart's apartment. I don't know how, why he came up on the list, but um, yeah, so he goes through the trash. Know. There's nothing in the trash. He's taking notes. He's taking notes. At this time we cut to Peter Laurie, who's at a fruit stand. Yeah. He's out on the prowl, AKA he's, he's on the prowl and he, um, is then he's window shopping, and as he's window Literally. shopping, <laughs> wink, wink, window shopping people. He is a <laughs> there's killer a of mirror, kids. and in the mirror he sees a reflection of a girl alone. He's like, "Well, I'll be damned! I came out here window shopping, and look what I found in the window." And he almost passes out. Oh, he is in ecstasy. Well. Uh, yeah, you know yeah. that fine line between agony and ecstasy? He's, yeah. He, that's where he is. I'm like, okay, Yeah, guy. you think that's fruit dripping down in his chin, but it's his, he's drooling. Yeah, I'm like, oh, man, 1931. And you're still creeping me out. And, and she walks away, and I wrote, he's possessed. Oh, he, it's, yeah, he... Oh, it's so, ew, it's just so, ew. It's so, ew. <laughs> he starts his whistle. Yeah. And the, the song goes faster and faster. 
the closer he gets to her. Because he's getting, you know, like excited. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And just then she finds her mama and her mama reams her out. Oh, yeah. And it's then he's, he's he's like scratching his hands as she's walking away. It's like, oh, she got away from me. He's like a junkie. He almost had his fix. So then he goes to a cafe and he, he orders coffee and then he goes, no, no, no. no. Vermouth. No, no, no. no, no. Cognac. Cognac. And he whistles. At this point, though, I, I know that it's a motif and it's good and stuff. But if you're like want to inject a little bit of reality, maybe you shouldn't like have be always whistling a tune if you're the same a one. Yeah, the same one. I, I get it because it, this is a movie and it there's actually it a term makes for it. Makes it extra creepy. But it does. Uh, oh, a late motif. L-E-I-T-M-O-T-I-F. Yeah, because then when, when he started whistling it faster and faster, yes. didn't that make your heart pump faster and faster? It really helped with the intrigue. Oh, it, just the suspense of, oh, this guy, ew. Yeah. And then at one point when the handwriting analyst was talking about this truly mad person, he also said that there he will have times of lethargy, you know, he'll be lethargic sometimes. And that's what happened to him. He like, you know, well, first he ordered knock iron cognac. <laughs> another and one. Then, what? I said another one. Some people don't speak German. <sighs> and then uh, I think they could use context clues. And then um, he gets like lethargic and then he starts whistling. So then we cut to the police commish. He has the report from, I call him Peter Laurie at this point. Um, And the cigarettes he smoked, they found in his apartment were Ariston. And that made the police commissioner think of something. Okay. I don't know what. Okay. I don't know either because, like, there were. I I watched the whole film, but there were times where I had to stop it and rewind it because my eyelids got heavy. Ooh, you could sleep with this going on? Well, I was very tired. We cut to the balloon man. Blind, aka blind man. The original balloon blind man. And he hears the whistle. And he says, oh, snap, you know, when one of your senses fails, Uh that the others are heightened. So my sense of hearing, my guy, is fantastic. And I remember as soon as you whistled that tune, that that tune was being whistled the day that I sold the balloon to the little girl. I'm blind, though, so I'm not really sure how I knew that I sold the balloon to the girl who ended up killed, but I did, and I know that the song was being whistled, so therefore the whistler is the murderer. Yeah. I did write he's really blind, because I thought maybe he wasn't, but see, then the the beggars had a pretend blind person, so I wasn't all off. But how did the blind man know that he sold the balloon to the dead girl? He he's a he's a man who sells balloons, so he sells a lot of balloons to a lot of kids because that's his demographic, right? So how did he know that the guy that was whistling the tune was with the girl who ended up being killed? 
well, <laughs> I guess you just blew this whole <laughs> script out of the water. It's funny because that's this is so not me. I'm not I usually am not the one that ask these questions. But I was He okay, so he remembers a whistling man buying a balloon. Right. And the next day he heard about a murder. Now he didn't know. He just could put together that a whistling man bought a balloon for a little girl. And probably the only one he sold. Exactly. That so therefore he he his balloons don't sell because they suck. Cause they were they look They're like hot creepy. dogs. They're creepy. We're not, sh they're put together. And people, when people look at it, they say a blind man, those balloons do suck, but they're also put together well. So it seems like maybe he's not so blind. So this is kind of creepy in and of itself. So he's not doing gangbuster business. So he probably, maybe he did only sell the one. And he's like, oh, it, it had to be them. So then he tries to follow the, the whistling man. Mm -hmm. He's blind. But he like, he calls his uh, buddy. He calls yes. his friend. And says, follow that listening, that whistling me. That guy's the murderer. I heard it the day that I sold the balloon to the girl who got murdered. But never mind all of the questions that you're about to ask. Just go. Just go with it. Just trust and, me. And, and his trusted assistant says, ooh, he's talking to a little girl. Oh, That's shit. when it was. He, I mean, he knew that he had heard the whistling, and then, and and the dude bought a balloon, and and he knew just that just to be, um, his his senses were heightened, and he said I, something's going on here. And then his partner in crime goes, "Oh, he's talking to a little girl," and he goes, "I remember, I remember, he bought a balloon for a little girl before." Go after him. He whistled like that. Mm -hmm. Does that make a little more sense? Yeah, I think it. I think that. I mean, it, it. There's a hole in it, but we can paste it over. It's film. It's film, guys. It's film. We can we can use toothpaste to. Yeah, fix it's that fine. Hole. It's film. Nothing to look at here. We patched it up. We plastered it. We painted it. We matched the colors. It's fine. And nobody knew. Nobody's the wiser. Yeah. Moving on. Then the, the film goes back to that silence thing. Yeah. And the little girl and the man are in a candy store. Oh, um, and I think, it, I know it's 1931, but I mean, come on. You're, you're never supposed to buy, it's a, at this point, it's a joke. And then I'm like, well, I guess it's a joke because of this. Hey, little girl, you want some candy? And no. then what about the candy lady? Seeing this man buying candy for a little girl. Is yeah, she just assuming it's dad? Yeah. She's, again, sh sh business, money. The answer to her no. question is money. I'm not going to. Again, but if he kills all the kids, she's not going to have any candy to sell. How about yeah, if she says, hey, little girl, is your daddy buying you candy today? And then the little girl would go, it's not my daddy. Maybe. I mean, just be aware. Yeah, but what if it's her stepfather or something? Or it's her, like, older brother. Then all of a sudden, I mean, we're we're getting into a slippery slope here with the guy can't. The, look, the woman's just like, just, finally, someone's coming to buy my candy because, you know, I, I don't know. It's 1931. Is the king. Okay, but this is when there? something cool happens. OK, because the the dude following rings a bell. 
And then at this point, Peter Lorre pulls a knife, a switchblade. Oh, yeah, because he, I mean, he's about, he can't wait. He's about to, you know, go to town on this little girl. And then he cuts a piece of fruit with it. So you go, well, dang. But the following man, the man who's following him, see how I had to call him following man? Later, it's going to be whole dude. Um, He marks an M on his palm. And I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Where he, he just, there happened to be chalk around, or he had it, I don't know. And he puts, he draws like a giant M on his hand. Over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And nice then and he thick. goes up to Peter Lorre and bumps into him and slaps his shoulder. And now there's an M on his shoulder so they can trace him. Ah, this guy. Oh, I love it. That's why it's called M. M. Because... What does the M stand for? Not Manfred Mann. Mann. Um. At this point, when he bumps into him, Peter Lorre drops his switchblade. Ooh. Ooh. Nothing to see here, little girl. This is just well, for my fruit. Yeah. She probably picks it up and gives it back to him. I think we she ca- does. I, think, I really think she does. I think she did. Too. Yeah, he Cause... drops it, and she. I'm pretty sure that she picks it up and hands it back to him. And I'm like, oh, wow. Wow, little girl. You're so polite. Well... You know what? <laughs> Fuck politeness, little girl. <laughs> now we're uh, back at Peter Lorre's apartment. Um, an investigator is there, and... He's looking at the table. The table's nice and smooth. And he goes, you know, I just, I know it's here. I know this is the place. And then he goes over to the window ledge to look out. And he looks down at the, at the window ledge and it is all bumpily. <gasps> this uh-huh. is, this fits. This fits what the, the crime people have told us, forensics at the time. And not only that. But he opens the window, and in between the window and the ledge are little tiny fragments of red pencil. So at this point, the police and the mob are on to Peter Lorre. So now it's who can get to him first. Yes. Okay, so the mob is, is following the dude with the... I'm on his shoulder. At, at which point... But you know, Peter the, Lawrence, um, Oh, wait, does they, he... Oh, go ahead. They stop at a toy store, and she's looking, and then she looks up at his shoulder, and she goes, Hey, dude, <laughs> there's something on your shoulder. I'm like, little girl, you handed the, wep- the murder weapon back to him. Now you're pointing out that he has something on his shoulder. You're, you know what? You're just... Oy vey. Well, the girl tries to wipe it off. It doesn't come off completely. At which point, Peter Lorre realizes he's being chased. So he runs. And now we go back to the silence, the silent film. Which did not do me any favors at this point. (laughs) At this point, I'm standing up. Because I'm like, seriously? Man, and there's right. still some we're time standing. left because at this point I thought we were almost done with the movie. Oh, but I know. Still a lot more. <laughs> That's why I had to stand up and just start watching. <laughs> okay, so you see Peter Laurie running. He gets he gets into this place where there are four corners, and and there is a uh, a beggar on each of the corners. He runs down a, 
uh, side street, a fire truck um, comes in between him and the and the beggars and he gets away. But then it's rush hour and people are getting off a train. And but the beggars are watching. They don't see him there anywhere. I thought maybe he was going to pull a Tony Curtis and, and dress up like a woman. But he did. Yeah, he did. At this point, there are three dudes in his apartment. Uh, they lock up the train station. It was like a, it, it wasn't a train station. It was like a train stop. And which there was a huge building there, like office building. Mm hmm. I was confused about the office building. Um, and so the, the beggars go, he's got to be inside. He's got to be inside that office building. So there's uh, a watchman and he goes up to the attic. Peter Laurie's hiding in the attic storage and the watchman doesn't see him. He goes away. So the mob goes, we got to get in that building because he's in there. So I have mob dude. Oh, yeah. So a mob dude pulls a gun on a watchman, makes him open the gate. Oh, it was the safe cracker. Tell about the tell about he looked like, Aaron. What the safe cracker looked like? Yeah. Um, I'd say picture a blonder uh, Ray Fines from Schindler's List. Um, slimmer, taller. Mm -hmm. Just very like just picture blonde SS man. And there yeah. you go. Broad hair shoulders, hair Fair slicked hair back. Slicked back. You know, pretty much everything Adolf Hitler envisioned. Um, when Wished he, he could be. Yeah. Very, just super Aryan. <sighs> Very Aryan. Yeah. This, Ugh, yeah. Nose. Yep. So mob dudes are crawling all over the place. Um, they're torturing the watchmen. Ooh, they tortured him to get the information of how many more watchmen were on in the building. Yeah, they so the the criminals round up all the watchmen because they don't want the police to be called cuz the watchmen that's their job. They're right? we're watchmen. We need to call the police. So they they're like, "No, we don't want the police involved. We want to take care of this guy cuz he's cutting into our business." So, they torture the watchmen to find out if there's another watchman about and where this guy is. So at this point, Peter Laurie is using his switchblade as a screwdriver to try to undo the screws to get out of the locked place oh, where he's he is. A, he's a rat in a cage at this point. And he looks like one, too. Yep. Oh, he's got, he's like, everything's closing in on me. Ugh. So the mob boys found the other two watchmen. They tied them up. Uh, but somebody pulls the alarm. Oh, no, there's an alarm system in the building. Oh, wait. And every so often. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Some somebody has to stick like a key in so that uh, the alarm doesn't go off to the police station. Yeah, they still have those. Like I see people walking around places where I've worked, the security guards, where they have to go in and like stick a thing in and keep going. Okay. Um, 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 but um. why did they? What was the deal then with, because at some point somebody brings a jackhammer and they start yeah. jackhammering a floor. They didn't want to, they didn't want to pick the locks on the doors because that would trigger the alarm. So to oh. get to the next level, yeah, that's, I call him hole man because he jackhammered a hole so he could get down to the next level. Oh, I mean, these guys tore up this, this building. Bill, I know, which was hilarious to me. I, I'm like, okay, 
Yeah, I guess it, that makes sense. They didn't want the police to come. It did bring some levity to this very dark movie. Yeah, just the criminals get just getting organized to hunt this. I mean, he's he is a criminal himself. So it was just kind of pretty funny. So the the guy who needs to stick the key in the alarm hears Peter Laurie trying to undo the screws next to it, and everybody knows now he's in the attic. Mm-hmm. So um, Peter Laurie um, is trying to pick the lock to get out, and his switchblade has broken. So now he's using a broken switchblade and another piece of metal he picked up and he's hitting it with the switchblade trying to, um, uh, anyway. And buggy eyes sees the handle turn. Now these aren't, these aren't doorknobs like we have. They're the, they're the, where are, where have we seen those doorknobs? Where were they long doorknobs? Yeah. The long ones. It's like a handle instead of. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now. It's on my closet door. Oh, Okay. So um, he sees that. So he sneaks back in where he is. They come in. Uh, he's back in the storage in the attic. The watch, one watchman is able to get to the alarm and pull an alarm. Ah, and, so, and then they're like, the jig is up. We got to find him. The jakes, the jakes. So the cops are going to be here in five minutes, at which point I thought they'd all pull out. But no, they want dude. Yeah. So, um they have five minutes to find him. Then they have three minutes to find him. Then they're yelling, everybody out, everybody out. They have Peter Laurie. He's wrapped up in a blanket or something. And they show the the office building. Doors are busted. There are holes in the ceiling. But they left whole dude behind because they forgot he was down on the next level. And he's left behind. So uh, the police throw him a rope. He climbs up, and there the there's the rope. Uh, uh, there are the police. I'm sorry. So they question whole dude. The commissioner is there. Who were you looking for in the building? And tell me what you know. I'll tell you what I know. The police commissioner says. Yeah, because so the they police take- think that that they were um, after the bank vault. Like the, I guess there was a bank in there. There was a bank, and a, a, they didn't even touch the vault. Yeah, and sp- so then the police are kind of like, wait a second, why are all these crimp Like, what? They tore this place up, but they didn't touch the bank, and they didn't take anything. What the hell are these guys up to? What are they after? So finally, uh, one of the watchmen says when he's ungagged, I heard him say we got him. So then the the inspector knows oh they've got they've got our kinder murderer okay so um the inspector's reading the report of the review of the mob damage in the building didn't touch the safe nothing was stolen but they carried a man off oh so they go to Franz Holdude to question him and they say you know what you're gonna be a homicide suspect if you don't tell us what you know then they cut to some dude eating. I don't know why that scene was in there, but did you look at those sausages? Was that the dude that was, he was eating with the sausages and he had the huge chalice of beer? Yes. Yeah. Again, I don't know. 
okay, you yeah. were asleep at this point, but I don't, it, it must, it, it was another German dude. Oh, and he, I think it was the guy that pulled, I think it was the guard that pulled the, um. Oh, so they gave him a huge meal because he solved so. the case. Maybe, oh. or maybe because he just, he was loyal to the police and the establishment of government, which made me uncomfortable again. Like, oh, okay, so the commissioner says uh, we're going to say that that hold Franz Holman is uh, an accessory to murder. So Franz says, "I'll tell you everything. Uh, we got the Kinder murderer." So um, <laughs> at that point, Loman's he needs a moment. <laughs> he goes in and puts water all over his face. Uh, and why are you boys after the Kinder murderer? hello because you everywhere we we're trying to conduct businesses you see us as criminals but we are businessmen and everywhere we look is you coming in with your um what is it called you're like SWAT team equivalent people like roughing people up you're killing our business you're taking money out of our pockets we gotta put an end to this so you go back to leaving us alone yeah it's like policing in Harlem. So, um, so Franz tells them they're keeping him in an old abandoned building. They put him in a cellar um, with what looks like the entire city of criminals. This was a really uncomfortable scene. Oh, my gosh. Because they, they, they have the guy. They put the dude in. They put him downstairs. And he's like, what? And they kick him down the flights of steps, which I think it was real because that did not look it looked real and painful for peter laurie and then you I, have, reveal, I have trivia about that yeah and then you reveal and it is it's i don't what is i forget what it was but it was almost like a catacomb it was like some old abandoned artillery or something and it had those like domed kind of low hung ceilings okay. and as far as you could see nothing but German white faces and like stone, the German stone faces of just people who are just staring at him and their silence in their disgust of this man. And there's so many, it's just face upon face upon face there. It goes back, what, like 30 deep of the yeah. faces of them. And it's silent. Silent in, as they're in front at is him. a table with the Gestapo dude and well the and, safe cracker who I'm like man he is he's just wait for it guy he's getting ready in yeah. ten years um it, it, yeah so the mob bosses are sitting in front and they're they're telling him you're never getting out of here um he runs to escape uh, and the people start yelling kill him kill him like a dog. And then the uh, safe cracker goes, well, make sure you get your rights. And he goes, well, where's my defense attorney? And so right next to him is um, is a guy. And, Which, and this part, I, I was kind of, <clears throat> I thought that it was kind of, I found it comedic because I have a funny sense of humor. But the, these are, keep in mind, these are all criminals. But they basically set up a kangaroo court for the guy. In that, and they even gave him a defense attorney, and there's a whole bunch of juries. And 
it's like what are we doing here people why are we even do like you're criminals you took him from the police this is what the police do they have the trial why are we doing this and and, and peter glory goes you can't murder me you have to you have to give me to a real court of law right. and all the criminals are just <laughs> uh, you can't murder eight children but you did so they say you must be taken out of action and he's going, but I can't help it. I just can't help it. Um, I'm yep. shadowing myself. It's like someone is always following me. Sometimes I feel like I'm trekking myself. I want to run away from myself. I can't escape myself. And with me run the ghosts of the mothers and the children. It's like, and, okay. But then at one point he does turn it to say, hey, you know, he's trying, he's trying, he's pressing all the buttons. He's trying to elicit the sympathy of, I, I don't, I can't, I don't know. I can't do it. And I feel bad because I carry the ghost and it makes me do it. And then at some point he turns and he's like, how dare you people? You, you all are criminals. You, you're in like have an indictment or you're wanted for manslaughter you killed who among you criminals hasn't killed a person and you want to pass judgment upon me at which point the defense attorney says um oh wait wait no uh, the the safe cracker goes, the accused here stated that he must kill, so he must be obliterated. Good. And the defense attorney says, may I address the the, the crowd? I'm like, oh man, this defense attorney, you, you better get out of town. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's very Wilbur Milktoast-ish. Mm -hmm. And he goes, the very nature of compulsion warrants an acquittal. He can't help it. He, he can't help it. He doesn't need uh, to die. He needs a doctor. This guy, where did they find this guy? Is this one of their defense attorneys? And they say, hey, man, old Beckenbauer, he is a fantastic attorney because I am so guilty of every crime I commit. And yet this guy goes to bat with me every time. He'll go to bat for this uh, murderer. He'll give him a fair trial. And I, well, I would just would imagine the safecracker being like, um, he doesn't deserve a good attorney. Why are we giving him Beckenbauer? We're going to kill this guy anyway. That's just, yeah, he's not getting out of here. Yeah, those were deleted scenes. And a woman stands up and, he's, and says to the defense attorney, you never had kids. You should ask the mothers. Ask the mothers what they want to happen. Oh, and then snap. everybody's yelling out again. And the defense attorney says, I demand he be turned over to the police. At which point, everybody rushes to kill him. Yeah. Where do you think we are? We're not in a courtroom. We're in an abandoned cavernous cavern place. This is mob rule, bitch. And then they rush him. And then the crowd turns and everybody in the crowd puts up both hands at the same time. Ah, you know who that is. Pulitzer. Well, you, you assume, because you don't ever see him. Yeah. Next scene, they're in a real court. And the real court says, this will not bring our children back, all of you. Well, yeah, that's what the moms, because they have the moms there. And so they've passed judgment. He's guilty. And the moms are just, 
like, all right, yeah, that's good, but uh, my kid's still dead. Yeah, so... not going to bring us back. And that's the end. Yep. M. Whew. Heavy, heavy, heavy material. Mm. Okay, the truth is Peter Lorre was re- truly thrown down that cellar over 12 times. Yeah, Fritz Lang. The steps. Fritz Lang uh, very, has a, had a uh, reputation of being very hard to work with. And 12 years later, Fritz Lang wanted Peter Lorre to do something else with him. Peter Lorre said, no, nope. thank you. I don't need you. Fritz Lorre wanted real criminals in that last scene. Fritz Lorre did or Fritz Lang? Oh. <laughs> it's a combination. Both Fritz Lang and Peter Lorre wanted real criminals. And so it, <laughs> Fritz Lang wanted real criminals. And um, <laughs> there were 24 arrests during the film. Yeah, he scene. made the film with real criminals and 24 people got arrested. Uh, I heard, I read that Hitler actually liked it, but the Nazis banned it in 1934. Like, we're Nazis, we get a Nazi. So. And um, they, to keep costs down, they had the no sound part, you know, in there. Mm -hmm. And and Fritz Lang liked that. He liked the eeriness of the no sound, so he left Ah, that part in. Yeah, it does work, but it is. It's very jarring because even in films, when you when there's no sound, they're usually if you listen hard, there's usually um, like room tone. So there's usually yeah. always a sound, but it, it's just no sound. But it's a, like if you hear it, you can hear it be the like if you listen, that's the room tone. Yeah. As opposed to just cutting out the sound completely, which he did. Which makes you think, what happened oh, to my sound? Yeah. Did I did I push a button? Did and then, my computer just break? Yeah, and then when you I rewind thought. then when you rewind it and you're like, Oh, this is very suspenseful. I see. Well played. And there really was an organization of beggars in Berlin. Really? Yeah. What did they do? I mean, did they like settle disputes on whose corner was whose? I don't know. My information was only that there was a real organization of beggars hmm. in Berlin. Interesting. And um, Peter Lorre fled Nazi Germany shortly after the release of this film. He's like, I got to get out of here. I am seeing the writing on the wall. And Peter Lorre couldn't actually whistle, so it was Fritz Lang's whistling. No, it was his wife's. <gasps> Even worse. It was his wife. Shall we get into Thea? Go to Thea. All right. Well, so Thea, she was, you know, by all accounts, she she was, you know, she was very good at coming up with stories and working and stuff, you know, but her, and she collaborated at this time, but you know, this time the Nazis came into power in July 1933. So that's when they came to power. They were around at this time, and um, they ended up getting divorced because Thea was uh, like, hey, Fritz, I don't really see a problem with these Nazis. I, I'm, I'm going to be loyal to them, so I'm going to be loyal to Germany, which means I'm going to be loyal to these Nazis, so this is what I'm going to do. And Fritz said, you know what? There's a thing called the Nuremberg Laws. And my mother, funny story, 
she was born Jewish, but she converted to Roman Catholicism. I'm a Roman Catholic. Everyone in my family was raised Roman Catholic. Um, but under these Nuremberg laws, because she was Jewish, that makes me a Jew. So I'm going to get out of town. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He also had a meeting with Goebbels. Goebbels said, I love what you do, man. Do you want to you know, do motion pictures for us and stuff? We got this thing going. And Fritz Lang left there and said, let me get all my papers in order. I'm going to Paris. I got to get out of this town. That is one creepy motherfucker I just had a meeting with. So <laughs> he's creepier than the safe cracker. He's, I made this movie called M. I am like the father of German expressionism and creepiness. And he creeped me the fuck out. So hello, Paris. <laughs> and then he so he went to Paris in. Uh, when did he become a Paris? Oh, no, Hitler came to power in January 1933. And July 1933, that's when um, old Fritz Lang hightailed it to Paris. And then he eventually went to the United States and he became a naturalized U.S. citizen in 1939. But before he left, he had to, he had to divorce Thea. He said, you know what, Thea, we're parting ways. We're splitting up. We're, getting, we're going on different teams. Um... You know, you go see how that works out for you. And so Thea did all right for herself. And then she, um, let me get to my notes. Where are my notes on what happened to her? Because she. She actually joined the party. Well, yeah, like she was in it. She was yeah. in it to win it. She remained yeah. loyal to Germany while under Nazi rule and was doing stuff. And then she was in a British prison camp from July 1945 to October 1945. And then she worked as a Tremorfrau or a Trumerfrau, which is a rubble woman. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. From 1945 to 1946. And Fritz Lang was, but at that time, you know, he was in America in Beverly Hills. And he was like, ha, how's your yeah. Nazi party treat you now, ya, you <laughs> rubble woman? How's that working for you? So that's why I refer to her as... The wife of Fritz Lang and not wife. in her own right because, you know, you make choices in life and you chose to go with the Nazis. And when you choose to go with the Nazis, you get labeled as a wife. Um, you know, amongst other things. Yeah. So. Samantha B could put it better, but. Okay. You know, not allowed to say what she really was. But needless to say, she was feckless. Feckless. So the safe cracker, I kind of felt bad because when I was watching the movie, because it kind of in my head when I'm watching the movie, I'm trying to pick. I'm like, which one of these guys? Which one? Of the, who fled? Who fled Germany and who stayed and became a Nazi? Ooh. Uh, when I saw the safe cracker in my head, I'm like, this motherfucker stayed and became a Nazi. I mean, look at that jawline. Yeah, he was in the Gestapo, but. And then I felt bad because he's an actor. And I said, well, what if he isn't? And then I'm going to be on the podcast all throwing lobs, labeling this guy as a Nazi. And maybe he wasn't. Maybe he left. But he did not leave. Gustav Grunden, the safe cracker, he didn't leave. He continued on and carried on his career throughout all of the Nazi stuff. Now, it is hotly disputed as to whether or not he was a Nazi. Oh. But 
his career did not suffer at all and he was mm. in charge of shit. So I don't know because I wasn't there, but just from from my perspective and how I just am assuming Nazism works, um, who knows what was in his heart. Maybe he was just doing what he had to do to survive. Survivalist, maybe. Yeah. Maybe he was a survivalist. But nonetheless, I do not feel bad about my stance and how I have portrayed. I don't feel as though I have slandered this man in making all of my Nazi connections to him because he did not leave and his career like flourished. So we're not we're not condemning him. Um, we're not. It's hotly um, disputed. Hotly I don't disputed. know. I like I didn't re go into research and stuff, but I'm just saying, based on the little evidence that I have, I'm saying like you know, hey, he did all right during the Nazi times. So if you did all right during the Nazi times, I'm just saying. Just I'm just saying. Um, Alrighty then. I think I have a little bit more. So this was Peter Lorre's first, like, major starring role. Before then, he was mostly a comedic actor, which is funny because yeah. he's so freaky. And so this. then after this, he pretty much got typecast as the villain. And then yeah, he fled the Nazis and he met Alfred Hitchcock and he learned English. And then he was in the original The Man Who Knew Too Much. And boom, boom, boom. There you go. Um, Fritz Lang met with a bunch of killers, including Peter Curtin, aka the Vampire of Dusseldorf, aka the Dusseldorf Monster. This dude was a serial killer, and they caught him and they killed him. Um, the Inspector is based on Ernest Genau, director of the Berlin Criminal Police. Hmm. Um, M was Fritz Lang's first sound film, and he did do a lot of cool stuff with the soundtrack. And like as all, we mentioned, how he took the sound completely out, but he also put in sound effects and did a lot of things that, um, when we look at now, we don't even think about how revolutionary mm -hmm. it was. But like the footsteps, and yeah, all of that stuff. Because I'll bet the bell tolling and the cuckoo clock. Mm-hmm. Um. It was... Oh, Lang is referred to as the Master of Darkness by the British Film Institute. He, a little background on him. He was wounded three times in World War One when he because he was born in Austria and he volunteered for the Austrian army and so he did some fighting in Russia and he was wounded three times and, you know, so then he kind of like started figuring out stories and kind of got involved with that. Um... Let's see. Empire Magazine listed this as the, or rated this as the number 33 film of the 100 best films of world cinema in 2010. Wow. It was cool visually, too. Mm hmm. It, it was just a dark subject matter and, and so much foreshadowing of. Of Nazis. Yes. But, you know, we like true crime, so... Yeah, we do. And we we, we do have um, a, 
not um we have a need to learn about serial killers well i I just think it's just an awareness you kind of like and and who really doesn't it's because for the for most people it's so like what why it's so far out yeah yeah all of the work involved it's a lot of work it seems so tiring it falls into my who could be bothered yeah I mean, wow, lots of organization. As there's lots, lots of organization. Of there's duplicity. There's keeping up with your lies. I, I couldn't be Yeah, bothered. that alone. I, and the stress of that. Yeah. I mean, come on. I can't even keep up with what we said last week, which was like why I didn't know it was a German film. There you go. So what is on tap? Well, that was M, and we do suggest you see it. Yes. It's it, it's just fascinating. One sunny afternoon, <laughs> maybe maybe not at nighttime. I watched it at night, and I, I was worried because I do have daytime and nighttime fare. And when I realized this was, this was about a child killer, serial killer, I did wonder, should I have watched this during the day? But I was fine. Yeah, I think that the time period being so distant and mm-hmm. such. Yeah, I do recommend you see it. Well, next week, I thought we'd, we'd move uh, from film noir mm-hmm. to um, a little bit of, of uh, comedy. Uh, and uh, as an homage to you having gone to the Paul Simon concert. I think I know where this is going. I think you do. Is it the it's, graduate? We are doing the graduate. Ah, do, 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 do. Anne Bancroft, Dustin Hoffman. So, yes, next week we will be doing the graduate. Thought we'd, we'd bring it closer to present time, lighten things up a bit. It was like, what, 50 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or 60 but yeah i mean closer than 1931 1967 yeah we're whoa look at us it's like yesterday here for me it is i was in high school (laughs) think about it yeah okay um listeners we hope you enjoyed this week of God with the bushes yes see you next week for the graduate bye